Welcome to Black Imagination, where Antoine and I open up our black space to our black and brown friends doing dope things in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast network. So go get out your sage sticks, light some incense, and join the conversation. Be sure to follow us at Imagine MKE on all your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, here's the show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in Black Imagination. My name is Antoine, and I'm here with my colleague, my work BFF, Kanita. Hey, Antoine. How's it going? It's going good, you know. It is... This week has been a S show, but... I, I'm doing good. Yes, still I rise. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I I think I mentioned it in one of our staff meetings that after last week with uh, the Brianna Taylor, and so of course we're a couple weeks behind in releasing this. So when this comes out, it will have been a few weeks since the lack of indictment um, on murder charges for Brianna Taylor, and I really had to take the rest of that week to be in my sadness, but also recognize just how resilient Black people are, um, how it feels like in a lot of spaces and in a lot of work cultures that um, it's really not meant for us to survive or thrive. And so I think that us being able to get up and wake up and survive and live and thrive every day, I think it's just a testament to just who we are as a people and a culture. And so I've had to really, really lean in on that resilience factor like girl you made it through the day you made it through the day you check some stuff off your to-do list that is a win um to kind of get me to not focus on on the bad things um and on the things that don't necessarily feel good for our our psyche so that that has been that has been interesting so we have a stupendous well we always have great guests but in our trust black women tour which i definitely think we need to do a repeat of so in 2021 this is definitely coming back we definitely doing another tour with another group of black women um but this this first iteration has been pretty pretty fire who are we talking to today antoine oh we are talking to man probably the the most accurate voice on policy in relationship to helping black people like she for me from me as an outsider looking in because she's doing like mega work i always hear people talk about her with like this great sense of respect this great sense of appreciation like we need to appreciate her and just this common knowledge that she is like the best. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys know, but this is the magnificent Marquesa Tucker. Let's give hey it up to Marquesa. Yeah. Hey Marquesa. Yeah. Hey y'all, how are y'all? We are good. How are you? I, I'm curious as to how you are in person, mm-hmm. in role and in system, because I think Oftentimes, when we say, how are you, we don't always get to the person level. So how are you? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate y'all. This tour sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Um, So I'm excited to be on, you know, to be included in that number. Um, And how am I right now? I am in between many different things for work. Um, The organization I work for, we're looking to do some big things, big moves in 2021. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of prep and planning to do with that. Um, I am managing, my daughter has a dental appointment um, that'll be happening during this uh, time together. Um, So getting her there with help. Um, And then I have a a national panel that I'm on today. And then I look forward to just like time to break away from all of that this evening, you know, really honoring my my time off um, and away from work so that I can 
hold on to that resiliency um, and I can maintain my mental health. And I'm only able to do that uh, with my faith, honoring my boundaries and um, speaking my no very clearly and smiling and walking away. And so it's, it's interesting that we talk about speaking your no, honoring your boundaries, because I don't know that American culture, especially as we look at like work culture, necessarily creates space for that. I think American culture has this, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, if you're not up at 3 a.m. working on it, how bad do you really want it? And so like, how how do you create space and create that culture where that's not always um, the majority or the predominant culture? Um, and also, how do you do that as a black woman where, again, on this Trust Black Women tour, people often aren't listening to us? Yeah, so it's definitely a, a practice that you have to come into. I think that there's so much work that we have already just as Black women before we even have a, like an outside title. We're, you know, sisters, we're moms, we're aunties, we're caregivers, we're mm -hmm. like these nurturing beings, we're like all of these things. Mm -hmm. And then we have these other titles. We have like this community role that we play sometimes without the title, without the pay. And then we have our work title, whatever that is on top of, you know, possibly a church title, all of these titles and all of these things. And what I learned um, as God kind of revealed to me that I had these leadership abilities and qualities like, oh, you didn't do all these things if you want to, Marquesa, but this is not how I built you to be like this woman who has to wear an S on your chest. You actually don't have to wear an S on your chest and you actually don't have to do all these things. There's seasons and times for everything. And the way the world is set up, that is not, that should not dictate how you move every day just because there's a fire over here, there's something over there, there's an event over there, or this person is beckoning for you. You're in control of your own calendar, your own time, your own space. And if you don't control that and mind that, you'll be the one that, that goes down. And there will be no mm -hmm. one to pick up all of the pieces around the personal hats that you have to wear as a mother that you have to wear as your own personal being. And just for anybody else in your immediate family that you you know, want to give space, energy, and time to. So nobody can pick up those pieces like I can. So I had to learn through a series of opportunities that God has blessed me with to reel back and say, whoa, you know, this was cool when I was like 35, when I was like 34, just coming into the movement, but not when you're 41, you know, and thinking about long term and future things, you have to stop and pause and recreate the world and the life that you want to and then not be mad or look funny or feel funny if somebody has something to say about it. Just be unapologetically you and rest in that. Um. I don't know what 41 normally looks like, but sis, like 41, <laughs> 41, 41 is nice on you. Like, Thank you. When you said 35, I'm like, so she's not 35, Jesus? What's <laughs> happening here? Like, let me, <laughs> let me know because I for sure thought we were the same age. I think that's such, I think we're in a space now and it's so weird that I feel like more of us are coming together and having these conversations and starting to assert like, what is the boundary and what, what do those parameters look like, especially mm -hmm. in the work that you're engaged in, especially now during COVID. So tell us a little bit about the role. I want to definitely talk about the arts um, faith-based nonprofit that you have, but I want to talk about your role at Wisconsin Voices, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so more, I would love more specifically the African American Roundtable. Yes, well, yes, when yes. you say it like that, speak that. That's what it is, and we've had to make that um, very clear to people. Like we were out in the community on Monday at G's Clippers, um, doing voter registration. Super duper awesome mm -hmm. event some way to partner with G um, and he was like wait a minute he was like so wait a minute wait a minute what's what's Wisconsin Voices then like what are you and what is Wisconsin Voices so let let's be clear so the African-American Roundtable has been this table that lived um, mainly through an individual so it was created actually by a white woman people don't know that who actually started Wisconsin Voices, the former ED, her name was Linda Honnold. And the person that 
kind of chaired the round table, uh, worked at a different organization. And so it kind of started there with some nonprofit organizers and other folks, and they just created this space to kind of like do, to do actually civic engagement through like voter mobilization. So they got a little money mm -hmm. to do it when they first started. Then it kind of morphed into this thing where it was just kind of like this free table that nonprofit mm -hmm. black leaders came to and maybe some others to strategize, to support and lift up work. So it moved around through these different organizations and landed at Wisconsin Voices. It started off as Citizen Action. I think it went to Wisconsin Jobs Now. And then when that um, employee got to, um, the chair got to Wisconsin Voices, it landed there. When he left is when I took it over. And so it um, is actually a program of Wisconsin Voices. And for the record, the roundtable is not its own 501c3, as some people might actually think. And that's actually what we're looking to do. Like we want to branch off and become our own organization because we know that we're strong enough and we're positioned mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And then be this Black political home base for people um, here in the city of Milwaukee and to expand beyond the city to do work on the county level and ultimately on um, other counties. Like, you know, we want to be able to support organizations that are coming into play like Black um, in Kenosha that we knew there was no real infrastructure in um, in Kenosha, in Racine that does this type of work that the Roundtable does. So we want to be able to have that kind of um expansion um, to support those kind of people and eventually on a state level. So that's the roundtable, um, a program of Wisconsin Voices, which is the nonprofit that is our home for now. That's good to know. I think that's really good to know. And in that program, you've been kind of doing a lot of dope stuff. I remember the first time I heard about your work was Liberate. Which, yes, man, that came through like you. You came through like NWA coming through the <laughs> the sign, <laughs> talking about after police. Would you like? To yes, yes. So that journey, um, I'm gonna go back just a little bit. So before Liberate MKE, when I became the director in August 2017 of the African American Roundtable. Um, a group of us, uh, first I was a chair before like my position changed because I was an office manager. I came in as an office manager at Wisconsin Voices um, in 2014 and did the work with the Hamilton family and just became this organizer, um, a grassroots organizer with the Coalition for Justice, doing all of that um, and trying to do it, you know, with the round table living at Wisconsin Voices. I was doing that as an office manager and we had a racial equity assessment. They were like, Marquesa can't keep doing this work as an office manager, like while it's still like flowing into the round table underneath Wisconsin voices, like y'all gotta change that. So August, 2017, we, um, August, 2017, I became the director and um, we decided that we were gonna respond to the De Department of Justice's uh, draft report that came out after Dante was murdered. And that was, you know, the idea that people wanted to reform police. And so that's how I started my work. And that's what we've learned. A lot of the families are most interested in getting justice through this system. And what I've learned over the last couple of years from after starting Liberate MKE, which I'll talk about in a second, is that there is no justice in this system. There is no reforming this beast that was designed to never give us justice, that was designed to never, ever be fixed through reform. So although I started my journey in the movement through reform work, I have learned that that is not um, the work that is going to free us. That is not the work that is going to save us. That's not the work that's going to do any of the things actually that the families want. It's never going to bring them justice. And so when we uh, started Liberate MKE in, um, uh, let me see, it was last year, um, we launched it Juneteenth. Before that, a group of us that are core members at the Roundtable, we decided that we wanted to do some work that was going to span um, all of the work that we do. Because everybody's got all of these different issue-based work, issue work that they're doing at these different organizations. And so we're like, what is one thing we can do well together? And we came together under the infamous M. Adams from Freedom Inc., who is the co-director there in Madison. They do amazing work. If you haven't heard of them, look them up. Um, I'm sorry, because we're at home, I have to answer the door. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> no worries, you good. Okay, so um, 
we came together as a core. We said, what is it that we can do that is actually going to span the city, going to really allow us to do some work here in Milwaukee? And M asked us some questions about policing. And it really began the wheels turning for me around, oh, M is right. Like, who, who thinks that body cams are going to, you know, help us? She asked some people to go to one side of the room and other people go to the other side of the room. I know that body cams are not going to save us, but still there are people in that room. And even through my mind, like, could body cameras help? I'm learning. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're learning. We're all coming to this new analysis. M was already on abolition. And so M was trying to get us to see who was in the room. So that was how our strategy started. So some people ended up on, yeah, body cams are going to help. We want more. And some people were like, nah, we know we passed that. And so that began the wheels turning for me. Like, who is this team that we're on? And also, what is it that we know about folks in the room? Not a good or a bad thing. It's just, again, it's a becoming a learning. And so from that, we decided, knowing that the budget was completely, as Melody McCurtis from Metcalf says, violent, we had to do something. And so we knew the budget was almost 50% of the entire city budget, which is not sustainable for any resident in the city of Milwaukee. And we said, we we're gonna go after the budget. And so that's what we did. Nate Gilliam, also an organizer in Milwaukee, really, um, really opened my eyes to the budget. Jared English opened my eyes to the budget. And so 2018, I walked myself through the budget. And then that's how I was able to come into that space in 2019 during our core strategy session and say, Here's what I learned, and this is what I think we need to do. Can I offer this? And people were like, let's do it. Juneteenth, we launched um, with our organizer, Devin Anderson, who I hired shortly after that strategy session. And we said, we got a big ask. And on top of our big ask, we came with a slew of partners. Because the core members have built such amazing relationships, we were able to turn out over 40 partner organizations that signed on to Liberate MKE's $25 million divestment ask. Ask. And, you know, these kind of asks were slowly starting to pop up last year, but it has prepared us ultimately for the moment that we're living in right now here in Milwaukee. Like we could have been behind the eight ball when defund conversations started happening after George Floyd was murdered. But we built a foundation through Liberate MKE and the partners and the roundtable to have prepared us for the moment that we're in now, where this year we're asking for a $75 million divestment because of all the things that we know that our community needs, especially what we've learned during COVID, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no way that we can be okay and comfortable with a budget that gives almost half of its resources, my resources to the police. Like that's not the city I wanna live in. And as we begin to expand, teach, raise awareness and educate people other people are like we don't want i don't want my money going to all the police either like people are like we you know i need we need police and you know for people who believe that they need police because they don't know anything else and because our imaginations don't allow us to think beyond what we are just living in um i know So something that I'm curious about, um, so in some of my personal conversations, with my work BFF, Antoine, mm -hmm. we've talked about defunding the police and we've talked about where that money could go. So we work for an arts organization and we both work in the arts outside of our capacity at Imagine. In your imagination, Marcasia, like how, with the divestment, how could some of that money be funneled into the arts? And again, in your imagination, what could that look like, right? Because often in the budget, arts is the first thing that's cut. Mm -hmm. Even in the list that you kind of ran down of like the essentials, right? Like we didn't even get into like arts and culture and things like that. And so in the work that you're doing, what type of role does arts and culture kind of play in, in communities, especially communities of color?
Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Me too, I agree. I think also going to what you said earlier, arts is like arts, we have it in us, yet those other issues kind of block us from having the space or the time to do that. Cause you know, if you running around trying to, you know, get ends meet or make things happen, you really don't have time to appreciate the beauty that's around you or to appreciate that mural or to, to fully be present in that pop-up. You know what I mean? Cause you got things on your mind. So it all sort of goes back to those things and back to this. Like I didn't, as you explained all of this, I feel like I've learned something and I think one thing that that you've come to the conclusion that that most people haven't is that the system isn't going to work. And so rather than trying to fix the system through, you know, whatever policy, let's shrink that giant. <laughs> let's shrink it <laughs> to something small and use the money that would have went to them for other things. So I feel like I feel like that is a great perspective how how do you think those people who were on the other side of that activity you did will come to that perspective yeah yeah just the same people who think that uh, a body cam will will fix the problem how do you get them to understand that the system is like not broken but it's it's working optimally the way it's supposed to and it's just 
is just not for us. So this is Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mhm. Mm Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my natural inclination to run. Like, since I've been like 10, 11 years old, whenever you see a cop car, you run in the opposite direction, although you haven't done anything wrong. So I totally know what you mean. I would also say too, for anybody who's listening, make sure if there's a way you can help Marquesa spread, spread that way of thinking, please reach out because partnerships are, uh, are what make things go or at least will help things go further. So what is, when you talk about divest and build, um, could you talk about the things that, um, that you would be interested in putting those resources that come out of the police into like specifically? Mm hmm. Mm Man, that sounds like uh that sounds like how my mom said life was in Milwaukee in like the sixties when like her dad lived at AL worked at AL Smith and he was able to buy his home and like man, that sounds like what my mama talks about that I never understand <laughs> that I never actually get. Um which is which is sad, unfortunately. Um, I did a project with Metcalf Park and we kind of looked at who owned what, and it was a, a really large amount of like out of state owners in, rela in relationship to like Metcalf Park, as opposed to like owner occupied folks or people who own like two or three blocks two or three properties in a neighborhood. And it was like startling that like, just all that money, one leaves Milwaukee, but there's no sort of investment back in. It's almost like a, a, a second wave of more subtle and covert redlining.
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's uh it's crazy. Cause like even when my mom talks about like how she owned her home, she also talks about how there were like bowling alleys and skating rinks on twenty seventh and center. And it's like what there was fun in the central city? And and it's sad. You, you kind of think like they'll never let that happen, but why and and why not? And who's to say we can't change that? At least thinking about kind of going into the fun stuff about, you know, arts and culture, but still we those those initial problems like proper education, like a sustainable job clean water which is not is not mentioned as much as it should be um just because there's such a, a history like i used to be a environmental person before this uh before the arts and culture job and it was always weird it was always terrible to see that most victims of flooding in Milwaukee are usually families that are near the corridor where it's all that concrete and all that man disinvestment because it's all stuff that people don't care about anymore and that history and that legacy just continues to to pollute the people's water to pollute the environment around them and, and all that is interconnected I all that is interconnected Mm-hmm. 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 
So I'm curious, um, you talked a little bit about the change in community and how we don't talk to our neighbors necessarily in the same way. And as you were saying it, I was thinking back to how my mom talked about how she grew up, like her neighbors, the parents looked out for her. If she did something she wasn't supposed to do, some parent was walking down to her mom and dad's door. Um, I thought about me growing up on the north side of Milwaukee, late 80s, early 90s. Definitely, there was some accountability where I knew that some parent was watching. In your research, in your work, um, what, what changed? Was it policies? Was it lack of opportunities for folks to remain in their homes? So gentrification? What, like, what was it that changed the dynamic of neighborhoods where there's now these barriers to how we engage with the folks that we live next to? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I naturally I'm just always curious about people. And so one of the questions that I have written down is. Who, like, who are you? Like, are you Milwaukee born and raised? Like, there's got it. And, and part of the question is like, what ties all of this work together for you? Like at, at your core, there are some type of values that you hold to be true that connects the alternative and connects your work with the African-American roundtable. And like, what, what connects it all together? What, what's the thing that's true from little Marquesa to now 41-year-old Marquesa that makes all of this part of your personal brand.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I want to I want to thank you so much for lifting up mm -hmm. uh, Dontre Hamilton because I was at work at the courthouse when his murder happened. So I remember them shutting down the courthouse, shutting down the areas around it. But such uh, such a profound heartbreak for me that this happened to him. Um, I had the opportunity to see the documentary with Milwaukee Film Festival a couple years ago. and stay after for the talk back session. And after that, I stopped going to Starbucks. Um, about a month or two ago, I was driving by Bayshore and seen Dontre's mom. And I knew it was her because she had the red hair and she was in her car. And I was like, Lord, please let, let this stoplight come. And it came, I yelled out my window and was like, I don't go to Starbucks because of what they did to your baby. And, um, <laughs> I kind of teared up a little bit and she caught me at the next light and said, thank you. And I mean, that's the least I can do. I love, I love some cake pops, but ain't no cake pops worth what they did to that baby, you know, who, um, after watching the documentary, I saw my nephew, I saw my dad, I saw all of the black men that I loved coming from this middle-class family and they played baseball and they were on a team and these were just, These were regular babies. These were babies. You know what I'm saying? I, this is a beautiful Black family. And what, what happened to him and how the city responded um, 
it is just such profound grief, something that I, I carry with me every time I drive past the Starbucks. When I seen hot boy Howie was trying to run for office, I was like, no, you're not. Not on this 60 minutes interview. No, you're not Howard Schultz, because what we're not going to do. Um, and and the, the, the talk back session in terms of how Starbucks treated the family, um, it was absolutely grotesque. And it is not worth it for a white chocolate mocha. It's just not. So I know we come into our clothes. And so we always like to ask these standard questions, every guest we have on the show. Again, I just want to thank you so much for lip, mm -hmm. lifting up his name, thank because you. I think so often in these conversations, Dontre's name gets lost. And the reality is, them boys should have never been in Red Arrow Park messing with Dontre. Um, the reality is, ma'am, ma'am, and where are they, right? So how, so not only is there a lack of accountability from that space, but who are these invisible folks who get to call out normal behavior that black folks are just living? Who, how do they get to remain inside in, in, in a silo? How do they get to remain protected? You know, here we are years after, and we still don't know who this young woman is who did this thing. <sighs> mm -hmm. You know, and there's so many parallels, I think, in terms of police being where they wasn't supposed to be when I think about Breonna Taylor's, right? There's so many folks mm -hmm. in that process who, it was like, why didn't you, if you already had the person in custody in Breonna's case, why was you still at her house? Um, if the call had already been taken care of, Officer Manning, why did you show up at the call? Like, you wasn't even supposed to be there. Like, the call had been resolved. And, and so it's so important that we hold on to these names and that we remember their stories, we remember their lives. You know, here's a guy who was in a public place in a park. And what takes me back is the, the, the movie and his mother saying that she was calling him, that the phone was ringing, right? Like, he, like the, what, what I think about is that decision, do I pick up this phone or do I continue to fight for my life? And nobody, should have to do is thank you for lifting that up because um, I, I dated a dude who loves Starbucks, a black dude. They put him as a part of his they national campaign, put him, took a picture of him, put it on their newsletter. And me and him used to beef about him going to Starbucks. You better not come in my house with no Starbucks cup, fam. Not after what they did to Dontre. Mm -hmm. Like they only, they only not doing it to you because you show up in American Eagle joggers. So you're the right type of black person to be in there. Um, on the wrong day with the wrong calling Kathy, and that's it. So clearly our values wasn't a match, so he had to go. So I'm gonna turn it over to Antoine to ask those standard questions that we ask every guest about the arts field in Milwaukee and who you feeling. Uh, one more question. How does it feel to be on a mural? Oh, yes.
Sweet. And um, who are some of your favorite Milwaukee artists? Mm-hmm. Man, thank you so much. This has been a tremendous interview and I I'm just happy that you said yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That is this was awesome. Trust black women. Trust black women. I keep saying I need to be on a church fan and we just need to be able to hold it up during these Zoom calls because sometimes folks folks ain't ain't hearing it thank you so much marquesa for being on the show um for doing the work and you know i always like to offer to our guests you know if there's any way that the work that antoine and i are doing um that can continue to amplify the work that y'all doing mm -hmm. like please don't hesitate to to reach out and let us know and to to put us to work <laughs> um and again continue to lift up dondre's name like when we have these national conversations People don't talk about Milwaukee. They don't talk about Dontre. They don't talk about Jay Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, now Joel Acevedo. Like, you know, um, and their lives were important mm -hmm. too. Their lives, their lives were taken, their lives were stolen by folks who did not have the right to do that. And I think we have to really begin. For me, I've started to frame it in that way. You you can't take something that's not yours. And these men have been taken from us. These people have been taken from us. Um, it shouldn't have been. Dontre should still be here. And I, I, that's, again, profound heartbreak. But thank you for the work. Thank you for lifting it up. Um, I feel like the next time you come back, because we got to have you come back, and we definitely going to ask Dr. Mo tonight, what does freedom look Ooh, like? Yeah. Because if we, if, if, you know, you said earlier in the interview that folks struggle imagining what a new space could look like because we're so used to this system. So I would love to have you come back and talk about and really paint that picture for us using your mass communication mm -hmm. skills um, on what does freedom look like? What does liberation look like? So that folks can really wear that and then help us get there. So thanks again, Marquesa. And I hope your baby dental appointment yeah. go good. Yes. All right, thanks sis. Well, so thank much. you. Take care. Be safe. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Black Imagination with Antoinette Kanita. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast. Be sure to rate us five stars, share a positive review. It really helps people find us. Also, be sure to email us at pod at imaginemke. Don't forget to like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Imagine underscore MKE. Anything else you'd like to mention, Kanita? You can also find us on Facebook at Imagine MKE. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.